You've certainly been an encouragement to me. And uh, when I when I told him, I, I felt like uh, several years ago, I told him I, I felt like I, I was being called into the ministry and 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 to uh, preach the word, but not necessarily anytime soon, not necessarily immediately. Uh, uh, because I'm, I've been with the railroad for so long, and uh, we were sitting in his office, and he said, if you're not called to do it now, then you're called to prepare. And uh, I started going to the seminary then, taking classes. I'm uh, currently getting through my first semester of Greek, so I really don't like him right now. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's certainly challenging. Um. We're going to be in the book of Second, Second Thessalonians today, uh, or this evening, and uh, we're going to look primarily at, at chapter 4, but this, this has been a very encouraging uh, book as, I, as I've studied and read and, and some of the things that have blessed me, I, I, I wanted to share uh, with you all and be, because I think it's timely, I think it's very uh, timely for, for the season that we're in as a church and for the time that we're, we're in here as, as a state, as a country. Um, we see that uh, there are many parallels uh, between what was going on in this time uh, and things we see today, uh, very much so. It was uh, several years ago. It was, it was not here. It was, it was at another church that we attended before we came to Fisherville. And a missionary had come. He was, he was called he, to go to the middle or the southern part of, of Mexico, where it narrows down toward the Panama Canal and, and what have you. And I, I don't remember the, the name of the area. What I remember was the story told. In this area, there were four mountains and they all came down, and there, there was like a common valley, right? Each mountain had a tribe. And they were always at odds. You know, they, didn't, they didn't get along, but in that valley was a common area. It was the common area. It's where they could come down the hill and trade, trade goods. It was... It was very much a, a, a collection of, of goods and thoughts and ideas, right? And uh, you didn't go up the mountains unless you were invited. Uh, this missionary had befriended one of the people in one of the tribes, and he actually got invited up, up to that mountain. And when he got there, um, each, each group had their own brand of, of religion. They had some form of religion, some form of belief. You all know that's because as, as uh, being created in God's image, we are hardwired for worship, as Pastor Brian has told us so many times. But everything was, if we looked at it, it was very, just very pagan. There was necromancy. There was 
idol worship. There was a ruler, you know, chief worship or whatever. Just anything you could possibly think of, it was there. Cannibalism was one of them. And he found, uh, when, when he took, the chief took him into his dwelling, his hut, whatever it was, he saw a page of Scripture. And the more he talked and, and the more he, he researched, looked into it, many, many, I mean, hundreds of years ago, what have you, missionaries, English missionaries had come to this region. Maybe it was by mistake. Maybe it was deliberate. But they had come there. They had left Bibles with the people. Maybe they've shared the gospel, you know, what have you. Some stories that... And then they left. Everything that those people had developed, it began with the Bible. It began with, it began with a biblical principle. But when they left, there was no one there to nourish it. There was no one there to teach them, to disciple them and to lead them and to keep them on that straight and narrow and explain why it's important even. So, when we look at, at the, the town of Thessaloniki, is that how you say it? John Bevel corrected me after they got back from their trip. It's, I said something about Thessaloniki. He said, Thessaloniki. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but we see a lot of similarities. This town on a map was, was it was a natural, uh, Thessaloniki was, was a natural uh, harbor, you know, and perfect for trade. There were boats. There were trade routes going through there. There were trade routes, there were routes coming to it to get to the boats and to go out in, in to, the, to the rest of the world. It was a collection, a collaboration of ideas, of goods, of philosophies. And as we, in Acts, in the book of Acts, of course, we, in, in chapter 17, uh, we see that, that that's where we get the picture. The, Paul and his, his men being coming there into that region, into the region of Macedonia, and, uh, and preaching, sharing the gospel, preaching the word with these people. And it said uh, many Jews and believing and, and uh, Gentiles believed. There were a number of Jews and Gentiles believing. That comes into, in, into that's important here in just a moment. But oppon opponents had, had uh, uh, Jewish opponents had taken their host and, and some other Christians, brought them before the, the patriarchs, the, the leaders of, of the area under the Roman banner, and uh, charged them with sedition against Caesar. So they had to leave prematurely. They had to leave sooner than they were, than they, they were planning on. But Paul did not... Uh, he did not forget these people. In Acts 18, uh, he, he take, they take their second missionary trip, 
and we believe that that's, that's when he wrote the letter, uh, the first Thessalonians letter. The difference that he, the difference in that situation, Paul makes clear throughout that letter. Now, he's addressing some concerns, but he's very nurturing. He's very supportive. And he's very loving to these people and, and driving home in every chapter, almost in every verse, you can see, I told you this, we talked about this, remember? We talked about this, we, and, but it's God. Everything is through God's faithfulness and, and, and grace through Jesus Christ. That's what, we, what they, that's what we preach to you, and that's what I'm reminding you of. Because everything that's going around you, nothing else matters. Right? When we look at uh, when we look at chapter one, he makes it very, uh, very apparent, very clear to us. In chapter one, verse four and eight, for we know, brothers, loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. This is very, he continues this uh, throughout the letter. But I, I focused in, I, I landed on, on chapter 4 because I feel like it's, it's a culmination. There were some things uh, that, that really spoke uh, to me and ministered to me in, in the uh, last several months. Uh, and I found it very comforting. comforting. Let's just begin there in, chapter, in verse 1, I'm sorry, of chapter 4. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you, in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through, through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. 
Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anything to write, anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on on no one. This is one of the reasons, this this is something that uh, here at verse 13 we pick up why uh, one of the main reassurances he wanted to give to the the Thessalonians. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He begins, and as I said throughout the entire book, he's going, he's not, as Pastor Brian said many times, you know, through Ephesians, He gets up in their business. He gets up in our business. And this letter is very different in that way. He's he's still addressing issues. But he's encouraging them in, in in a slightly different way. He knows you all have been, you've been doing these things. We urged you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Not that you're doing it wrong. It's not that, that something's lacking, but doing it more and more. To, do, to continue to grow in that. And there's a purpose for this, as we see. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. He's constantly reminding them and us. These commands, these words we're reading, they're not his authority. He has authority given by God, but it's God's authority. You abstain, let's say, for you, you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, the things that we've read, 
why then does it go into uh, sexual immorality, to abstain from sexual immorality? There's a lot of things you could address. Why would he address that? This Thessaloniki was that hub. The, the culture of religion was uh, loyal to the pantheon of, of Greek gods, and, and the, uh, I believe that, that it was John, again, that shared with us after they got back that had uh, the women, the temple prostitutes, would have, have carvings on the soles of the feet so when they walked in the dirt, it spelled out a word. It said, follow me. This was common. Sexual immorality has been common throughout creation. That place was no different, and we're no different here now, are we? We have different letters with a whole... Uh, moral revolution of LBGTQ and plus and they just keep throwing on letters, they keep throwing on things that, that that negate each other but every one of them is against what God intended the way God intended it He goes, through, goes on, and this is important, to abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor. Verse 5, not in the passion of lust like Gentiles who do not know God. There's only two people there, two groups of people there that they preach to, that they share the gospel with. Jews and Gentiles. And Paul's making it very clear here. You're not a Jew. You're not a Gentile either. You need to control your own body. In holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Back in uh, uh, Colossians, it's very important. In that relationship, he says uh, that for you to know God, or better yet, God know you. God knows us. It, it, it's, it relates a very personal relationship, right? It's one thing out of how many people are on the planet now? Eight billion? It's one thing for one of eight billion to know and believe and trust in God. It's a little different for the one true and living God to know you. And that's what makes all the difference. These people had fallen in, well, not fallen into, it was just normal life for them. All of the things that were going on around them and still going on around them. All of the things going on around us. 
But there's one difference. You're not Jews, but you're not Gentiles either. You're children of God. And that is so glorious. And undergirding this, through all of it, verse 6, that no one transgress and wrong his neighbor in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. And that's how do you transgress your brother? Of course, we're talking about sexual immorality. And even then, this is God's constraining grace. Even then, adultery out of, out of any sexual immorality you can, you can think of, adultery, that was the lowest one. That was the worst one. You didn't do that. Clearly, people did. But he warns them. He's already warned them. They warn them about God's being an avenger. For God has not called us to Im- for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this does not disregards not man, but God. You're not, you're, you're not, ah, I think Paul's a kook. I don't, I'm not going to listen to him. Paul isn't who we need to worry about. Paul's not offended by it. You're disregarding God, the very word and command of God. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God. What God? The true and living God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Under our normal sinful actions and impulses, everything that we would do, in our normal lives. We may or may not, we, we might have good days. We're certainly not gonna, gonna be righteous. We're not going to uphold ourselves to holiness. We're certainly not gonna live in holiness. So how can we possibly do that? By the Holy Spirit. He gives us the answer. He gives us what we need to follow God's commands. And that's the other thing that I really love about his letter to the Thessalonians. Is they're not, it it never came across to me as commands, as orders. You need to follow these things. He's screaming at them. It's God. You are different because of God. I came to you. We shared, me, Sylvanus, Timothy, came to you and shared with you because of God, the message of God, the gospel of God, by the grace of God under his authority. 
And some of you believed. You believed because of, because of God. His spirit working in you, stirring your heart and soul. And the more I think about that, as we're all getting older, and I've made several trips. Uh, Mom and Dad's uh, farm is, is about an hour and a half from here. It's no big deal, you know. And, and, and he's called me sometimes just to check in, see how I'm doing. Sometimes he calls, hey, I, I need a little help with something. Go up and do it. Might not take that long. And uh, one, one particular evening, <laughs> Mom said, uh, got up there and, he said, how long did that take you to do? I don't know, about 10 minutes. Over an hour and a half or 10 minutes worth of work. Of course I did. It's my dad. Why wouldn't I? He's my father. And Paul is telling them, he's showing them through the entire letter, and he's and he's he's gets down to it here. Every like I said, every almost every verse. You do this more and more. You're walking in the ways to please God, but do it more and more. Concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. You've been taught by God to love one another. He put it in us. That indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do it more and more. Who do you think, honestly, if you have where sexual immorality runs amok, Men are going to be all for it, aren't they? Most of the time. But who do you think, walking in holiness, being upright, staying pure, staying faithful, who's, who might that make the biggest impression on? Those women who are used to men following them everywhere? following them to the temple? What makes them so different? Why, why, are these, why are they not following us? What is so, what's their deal? But we urge you brothers Again, picking up there in the middle of verse 10. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs and work with your hands as we instructed you. We were built for work. Pastor Brian showed us that in Scripture many times. So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. 
the list of things that come across as do's and don'ts. Commands to follow. Things we shouldn't do. That turns into a laundry list. That turns into a grocery list. I've got to get that. Oh, I forgot that. I've got to get this. I need to. When Paul is showing us, is telling us and telling them, do these things more and more. Why wouldn't you do them? He's your king. He's your savior. He's your God. Why wouldn't you do them? Why wouldn't you do it more and more? We need to do it more and more to grow. Why? Is it, to, is it for God's glory? Of course. But how is God's glory shown? Hold us right there in verse 3. The will of God is your sanctification. And that's how he's glorified as you continue to grow. Several Thessalonians were worried, concerned people. There have been deaths since they left them prematurely. And then in verse 13, he warned, he uh, uh, addresses that for them. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you, by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The Lord has taken everything into account. He is our hope. The other people that question this, they have no hope. But reiterating again that it's because you believe Jesus dies through Jesus that God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. Nobody. Nobody gets left behind. Who believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for their sins. In the end, in the coming, in the day of the Lord, there's going to end up being plenty of people in hell. There's not going to be one single victim. If they're there, they chose it. It's, uh, 
with sheriff with much of much of what he he uh, how Paul encourages them in his letter to to the Thessalonians uh, is is echoes of, of whispers from Ezekiel chapter thirty six and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart I will move I'm sorry excuse me I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules you shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I, I hope, I hope to encourage all of you as as, as this has encouraged me. Uh, the letter of the Thessalonians encouraged me. As we read, as and and it's stuff that. As I get older, I'm just noticing more. I guess I'm slowing down enough I'm paying attention. I don't know. It's God's grace. And I'm thankful and I love him for it. But those commands, those things that you need to do that, that for your purity, for your sanctification, for your holiness... Yes, it's bringing glory to God. But don't ever look at them as a list of do's and don'ts. If you have believed, if you have heard the gospel and you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, if you have been humbled and broken over that sin, and you know that he is your savior. Why wouldn't you do him? He's your God. He deserves no less. And the beautiful thing is, it's not the... the, the message echoed throughout scripture is it's not about us and yet God focuses on us he makes us the means by which he's brought glory that's just fun that's just cool I mean I can't get over that grace. He, uh, well, I'd like to uh, lead us in a word of prayer, and then we can I think we're going to have one more song, and then we'll uh, dismiss. I. Uh, 
as we as a church are going through a tough time, or not a tough time, we're just going through a, a, a change, a season. Pastor Brian has allowed me to fill this pulpit a few times, and uh, it's something I've never taken lightly, and and you know that. But I want you to know that, that our church is special, and he said it before, the Lord's hand is on our church, but... And plenty of people have come here because of Brian. They hear Brian. He's good at it. Better than me or Jerry. But they might come to hear him. It takes more than him to stay. People are staying there because of you. Because of the church family we have. I just want you to know that, that in, through the power and glory and grace of God, uh, I love you. I love every one of you. And I hope to, that we can continue to serve together for many years to come. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for allowing us to look at your word, uh, even though it was briefly. Pray that we remain faithful. I pray that we continue to grow in our love for one another, in our service to one another and to others. And I pray that you give us the spirit and the strength to do so more and more. that through our sanctification we bring you glory. Please direct our steps. Keep us safe. Keep us in your will. May the, the words of, my, of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. Amen.